I would like you to take out your insert and a pen, and I have a quiz for you this morning. All right, just two questions. First question, how many verses in the Bible are there about eagles? How many verses in the Bible are there about eagles? Write it down, best guess. Second question, <coughs> excuse me, how many verses are there in the Bible about patriots? <laughs> Write down your answer. First question, how many verses in the Bible are about eagles? How many verses in the Bible are there about patriots? All right, now, who wants to take a guess? What do I get? <laughs> you get the privilege of being right or you carry the shame of being wrong. <laughs> Which one? Eagles, 33. What about patriots? Zero. Zero. 33 verses about eagles, so they must be dear to God's heart, and zero verses about patriots. So I'll leave it at that. That has nothing to do... Yes? There are verses about cheaters. <laughs> okay, if uh, that happens to get on the uh, CD or the podcast, that was Rich that said that. Uh, <laughs> that comment was Rich. Okay, um, <laughs> that has absolutely nothing to do with what I want to talk about today, but I thought it would be a good, just, you know, we're here to increase our knowledge of things, right? A, a, a knowledge of truth. So just a little little uh, tidbit there. So a welcome to our <laughs> welcome to our final week of our series brand new. The series is based on a verse in Second Corinthians, verse uh, chapter five, verse seventeen says, "When someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a, a, a brand new person inside." not the same anymore. A new life has begun. And I, as we look at that verse, I think that, you know, it's, it's, it's a, a twofold verse. On the one hand, you know, God sees us. It's how God sees us as a brand new person. He sees the new person. He doesn't, you know, see the old. He sees the new person. But we all know that we also have things in our lives that we're growing in, right? We have things in our lives that we're growing in, things that, that, are, that are in process and that are changing. So, on the one hand, it's where we are positionally, but on the other hand, it's also where, what we are becoming experientially, okay, as, as we are becoming these things. God sees us as that, and now we are becoming what God sees us in. So, <clears throat> just a, 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 a good way to, to look at that. <coughs> Excuse me. When Christ enters our lives, he, 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 you know, he, he works in us, and he, he transforms us into a brand new person. And, cause, you know, and, and, and we've been seeing that you and I are spiritual beings. Um, when, uh, we're, we're, we're spiritually inside. You know, we're reborn on the in, by, inside by the Spirit of God, and we become brand new. But not only are we spiritual on the inside but, or, or, and, and new on the inside, but also on the outside as well. You know, this physical body that, that God created is, yes, it's physical, but it's also spiritual. And he gave it to us for the reason of doing the things in order for us to be able to do the things that he's given us to do. 
Every one of us is created by God to do good works that He's given us to do. Ephesians 2.10 tells us that. We are His masterpiece, His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which He prepared for us long ago that, that we would be able to do. And so He gives us a body to be able to do that. So this body, while it's physical, is also spiritual. And then last week, what did we talk about last week? Who wants to tell us? I'll give you a clue. It's green. Money. Yes, last week we talked about money. Um, um, uh, oh, thank you. <clears throat> thank you. Appreciate it. Um, and we talked about, the, you know, while money itself is neutral, it's, you know, money's not good and money's not bad, you know, in its nature, but there is a spirit behind our money, and it's either the spirit of mammon or the spirit of God, and, you know, we choose, we serve one or the other. We serve one or the other, and we can't serve both. We have to choose. Today, we're going to wrap up this series by talking about relationships, and what we're going to discover is that relationships also are spiritual. Relationships are spiritual. We're going to jump into this by going to the very first book of the Bible, book of Genesis. Book of Genesis opens with God creating the heavens and the earth. First, starts off by creating inanimate objects. You know, the water, the ground, the sun, the moon, the stars, and, you know, rocks and so forth. Rock is an inanimate subject. Did you know that? I know a few years back there was such a thing as pet rocks. You know, the people got and they took care of and somehow they were supposed to feed them and, you know, let them sleep. They're inanimate objects. So I hate to burst anybody's bubble, but anyway. <laughs> he, he created inanimate objects. And then he created living creatures of all kinds, plants, animals, things that have life in them. And look at Genesis 1, verses 11 and 12. Then God said, Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land, uh, that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. That little phrase, according to their kinds. According to their kinds. Uh, in other words, when God created a tree, He created within that the seed that would continue on and, and, bring, and create more trees and more trees and more trees with more seeds and that according to their kind. That's why when you have an oak tree and you plant an acorn, you're not going to get a dogwood or you're not going to get a palm tree, all right? Um, uh, otherwise, every oak tree around here, I would turn into palm, not maybe not everyone, but a bunch of them. I love palm trees. But you don't get a palm tree from an oak tree. Everything reproduced according to its kind. Within that seed, there was a transference. There was, there was the transfer of the characteristics of that plant, that vegetation, tree, bush, whatever, there was a, there was a tra uh, uh, within that seed, the transference of the characteristics of that particular plant over that particular tree. Then God creates the animals with the same ability to produce and with the same plan 
to transfer their characteristics to their offspring. That's why if you breed two dachshunds, you don't get a horse, all right, or a St. Bernard, right? It's according to their kind, all right? And it's, again, the, the, what's in that is transferred down to the next generation and that. Well, let's jump ahead to verse 26. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Now, I want to stop and just pause a side note right here for a minute. God is speaking, right? Let us make human beings in our image to be like uh, Who's the us? Who's the us? It's God. It's the Father, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All right? He's three in one. It's not God and the angels. It's not God and you and me. All right? It's Father, Son, Spirit. It's a triune Godhead, the Trinity. Okay, so then he says, they, uh, uh, Genesis says, they will be, or they, the human beings, will reign over the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. When God created man, man was created, mankind was created in the image and likeness of God. That's what happened when God put his spirit in mankind. When God is, you know, God created us and put His Spirit in, in us, and, and we are now in the image and likeness of God. No other creature was made in the image and likeness of God. No other creature, because no other creature has His Spirit. Okay? And then God assigned human beings to rule over all the animals. said, okay. You're going to rule over all these other animals. You can name them. You're going to rule over them. And that, you see, and, and because animals were not created on the same level as human beings. Animals have a body like we have. They have a soul like we have. In other words, emotions, okay? They have emotions. You know, you can tell if a, if a pet of yours is really happy or if they're moping, you know, or, 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 or whatever, they have a soul, but they do not have a spirit, okay? They have a body, they have emotions, you know, but they don't have a spirit. Only human beings have a spirit because only human beings were created in the image and likeness of God. And after God created mankind, he said, now go and multiply or reproduce. And as we multiply, as we reproduce, we reproduce what we are, right? Have you seen that? Physical characteristics are passed down from one generation to the next. That's probably one reason why you will see nobody in the NBA with the last name of Shunk, okay? I mean, I don't know why, but physical characteristics are passed down and, you know, 
yeah, no chunks in the NBA. Oh, uh, <laughs> you know, a child will have, will have, often have the same mannerisms, same characteristics as, as their parents, all right? If you ever, uh, you all know Josh, you know, my son-in-law. If you ever get a chance to see his dad, it's like looking at an older version of Josh. I mean, I'm serious. It, they are so much alike, it's scary. Take a little gray out of his hair, and it might be Josh. I mean, I don't know. But, but, you know, I mean, they walk the same. They talk the same. They stand the same way. They, they, they have the same mannerisms. You know, it's, it's, it's freaky because it's looked like, like an, just an older version of Josh. And so many of us know, you know, someone like that. Our kids have our characteristics, that, or we have the characteristics of our parents. You know, and there's this, often the same abilities, the same skills that, that get passed down or transferred from one generation to the next. We say things like, you know, uh, 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 oh, that, you know, uh, uh, that piano player, she comes from a, a, a very musically talented family, okay? They come from a very musically talented family, or that guy, you know, comes, or, 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 or girl comes from a, 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 a whole line of athletes, you know? Uh, you think of Archie Manning and Peyton Manning, and, and you know, I mean, the, the, the characteristics, the gifts, the abilities in that are all passed down, transferred often from, from one generation to the next. You know, because um, physical traits, characteristics, mannerisms, though, though they are passed down from one generation to the next, they are not the only thing that's passed down. There's also other stuff, not so good stuff. If you're familiar with generational curses or the, the, the sins of the father, you know, the Bible talks about being passed down from one generation to the next. You know, because, uh, and, and the thing is, Satan, you know, way back in the garden, he was able to corrupt what God had created. God created us good, but Satan comes in and was able to get mankind to disobey God. And when mankind disobeyed, when human beings disobeyed God, then he was able to come in and corrupt what was being passed down. So therefore, what God had intended for his spirit, by his spirit to be passed down from one generation to the next, now a bunch of the junk in our lives gets passed down. It's the, you know, generational curses or bondages or, you know, a, a perfect example, probably the one that, you know, we, we've all seen alcoholism. How many times have we seen alcoholism pass from one generation to the next, to the next, to the next? Right? I mean, this person's, you know, this person was an alcoholic, their father was an alcoholic, their grandfather was an alcoholic, their great-grandfather was an alcoholic, and that and and it's it, things like that. They are passed. Uh, th they're passed down. Um, and the, the the sins of one generation passed down to the next. But the opposite is also true, because the Bible talks about generational blessings that are passed down from one generation to the next. There's a transference there of the blessings because and that's because relationships are spiritual. They are spiritual. So the enemy likes to get in there and just screw things up with relationships. I think it's one of his favorite things to do. 
The reason the devil attacks relationships so much is because they are spiritual and he wants to corrupt the transference of what God is doing or wants to do in someone's life and in someone's generations. But the good news is that Jesus came to restore relationships. He came to break that curse. He came to restore what the enemy has stolen, what the enemy has broken, what the enemy has worked in, in, the, in the lives of people. The very end of the Old Testament, the very last book of the, uh, our very last verse of the very last book, which is Malachi, God says that he's going to come to restore the hearts of the fathers to their children and the children to their fathers. The breakup of of, of, of marriages or breakup of families is a, is a spiritual issue. It interferes with what, you know, the generational transfer of blessing that was God's original intent, intent going way back to Genesis, that mankind would multiply and the blessing of God would be passed on, would be transferred from one generation to the next. But the enemy has come in when man rebelled against God, the curse enters in, and, and that began, to, the, the, the curse then begins to be passed down from one generation to the next. And that's why Jesus came, to break that curse so that it doesn't, so, so, so it can be cut off. And what's passed down from one to the next, you know, the things that the enemy has worked in there, they don't have to be because those can be broken. And that's, you know, the basis for the book of Malachi is this. People come to God and they say, hey, God, what gives? Where are you? Where, 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 where have you gone? Where did you go? You know, why aren't you answering us? And God responds with several things. But here's what he says in chapter 2, starting in verse 13. He says, here's another thing you do. You know, he's telling them, you know, what gives. And he says, here's another thing you do. You cover the Lord's altar with tears weeping and groaning because he knows, pays no attention to your offerings and doesn't accept them with pleasure. You cry out, why doesn't the Lord accept my worship? I'll tell you why. And he proceeds to tell them why. See, they're asking him, you know, why aren't you accepting my worship? I'm, you know, here I'm praying to you and I'm worshiping. The Lord says, you want to know why? Okay, I'll tell you why. You're missing how important relationships are to me. <clears throat> he says, you're missing it on the area of relationships. And then he addresses the most important relationship they have, the one with their spouse, the one with their wife. Back in Genesis, God said, when a man and woman get married, they become one. Not just partners. They become one. One flesh. They're joined in spirit, soul, and body. And God says, what I've joined together don't you go and separate. And then he says, I've watched you violate this over and over and over. Listen as he answers in Malachi. He says, because the Lord witnessed the vows, of you and your, the vows you and your wife made when you were young, but you've been unfaithful to her. Though she's remained your faithful partner, the wife of your marriage vows. So they're treating the most important relationship in their lives, that with their wife or that with their spouse, with contempt it's become disposable and then in verse 15 didn't the lord make you one with your wife in body and spirit you are his and what does he want godly children from your union god wanted there to be a transference 
of His blessing to their children. But when there is unfaithfulness and when man separates what God has joined together, then what's passed down is not what He intended. There was a 25-year landmark study of adult children of divorce, okay? Parents divorced when they were children, and then, you know, now they're adults 25 years later. It's a 25-year study, landmark, and what it found was just sobering. The same devastating effects that are seen you know, are, are, are seen in case after case. They struggle with security because they, they, they have a lack of security. They, it's, it's hard for them to feel secure. There's, there's feelings of guilt. There's inability to trust. There's all kinds of trust issues in their lives. And there's difficulty in, in establishing <clears throat> healthy, strong, and lasting relationships themselves. And the uh, statistics show that the children of divorce are far more likely to get divorced than children who come from families where there has not been a divorce. I mean, the effects on children are, are so widespread and devastating, and that's not what God intended. That's not what He intended to be transferred down. And then the passage closes and says, so guard your heart. And remain loyal to the wife of your youth. Paints a pretty bleak picture. But thank God that's not the end of the story. Thank God that it doesn't stay there. Thank God that there is hope. Because He knows that we live broken lives. And as I've talked about all these things, every one of us has been touched in some area by some of the things I've said. Every one of us. But thank God He comes, and when the kingdom of God broke into this earth, and He breaks into our lives, it's a whole new ballgame. Jesus changes changes the script that's been written, changes what's been transferred. See, the next book of the Bible after Malachi is Matthew. And it begins with the birth of Jesus who came to break the curse. So if that's the story of your past, it doesn't have to be the story of your future. Jesus came to restore all things and included in all things are your relationships and my relationships. He came to fix that which is broken. And there's not a single person here whose relationships haven't been broken by sin, and there's not a single person here whose, whose relationships are so far gone and beyond that, are, that they're beyond the restoring power of Jesus Christ. That means if you're a parent and you're worried about what's been transferred to your kids because of your mistakes, which we've all made, the bad that's been transferred can be broken and be cut off by the power of the cross. 
I'm not saying the divorce can be made like unhappen, you know, un, how do I want to say that? Can be reversed or anything. I'm, I'm not talking about that. I'm saying that what the enemy planned to transfer down through that, Jesus Christ can come in and say, stop, enough is enough, this transference is now cut off, and now I have blessing that I'm going to transfer. And that happens at the cross. That happens when we come to Jesus. It happens when we come to the cross. He gives us a whole new family line. You can be made new. Your children can be made new. So, there's three things we need to know about relationships, okay? Three things, real quickly. Relationships, really quickly. Relationships are spiritual. That's why they're so important. That's why the enemy works so hard to screw them up. But don't forget that Jesus has infinitely more power to restore than the enemy has to destroy. It's not like, you know, the enemy has, has so much power to destroy, but then, you know, Jesus, boy, he's got just a little bit more power. No, he has infinitely more power to restore than the enemy has to destroy. Second, relationships have a lasting impact, okay? The people we are in relationship with do impact our lives. They affect us spiritually. They rub off on us, and, they be, and, and we become like the people that we hang out with. The closer I am with someone, the more they influence my life, whether I like it or not. Someone once said, show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. And I don't know who first said it, but it's a biblical concept. Relationships are spiritual. They have lasting impact. And that's why, third thing, relationship choices are critical. It does matter who your closest friends are. So if you want to change your life, surround yourself with the right people. It's absolutely critical, absolutely crucial. The people, you need people who are transferring right things into your lives. Proverbs 27, 19 says, A mirror reflects a man's face, but what he's really like is shown by the kinds of friends he chooses. You know, when Christ changed my life in 1978, my relationships changed. And the kinds of relationships I sought out also changed. No longer did I seek those that would reinforce my party lifestyle. I said, I'm done with that. I'm done with that. And, and so I, I you know, evaluated my relationship through the lens of a whole new set of values. So this morning, we've got three questions. Three questions for each one of us to ask ourselves to evaluate this area of our lives and relationships. First question, am I nurturing the important relationships. We all have those relationships that are alive in our lives that are these are the these relationships they're they're the most important. Am I nurturing those? Am I caring for them? Am I guarding them? Am I paying attention to them and feeding them? And the reason that's important is because the enemy do whatever he can to get in there and attack them. He wants to separate you from godly influences in your life. He wants to separate you from the people that God wants to use in your life. He wants nothing more than to destroy the important relationships in your life, starting with the most important, and that is your relationship with God. Then with your spouse, with your kids, with your people in your church, he wants to destroy those. The enemy does. So nurture those. Guard them, protect them, care for them. They're important. Galatians 5, 13 and 15 says, You have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, 
But don't use your freedom to satisfy the sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. That is so key. It tells us relationships are so important that the whole of the law is summed up in our, how we deal with our relationships. They matter. When your relationships aren't right, nothing is right. That's, that, 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 that's following Jesus 101. You know, um, so if you know, um, yeah. Second question Am I severing harmful relationships? Truth is, not all relationships are healthy. They're just not. Some are destructive. Some are as venomous as a rattlesnake, and you have to distance yourself from them because if you don't, you'll get bit, and then there's a transference of venom, and it'll destroy your life. Some are as, they're more like a boa constrictor. It wraps itself around you, and before long, it has squeezed every single bit of godly influence out of your life. And all the things that God is wanting to do, these relationships just squeeze every bit of that out of your life. I've watched it happen over and over. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, don't be misled or don't be fooled. Bad company corrupts good character. See, there's a transference that takes place in our relationships. There's a transference that takes place between you and the people that are closest to you. So who's going to be closest to you? You need to look at it, maybe take a look at people you're spending the most time with and ask yourself, where are they going to be in 10 years? Where are they going to be in 10 years? And then ask yourself, is that where I want to be? Are they going the same way I want to go? Are they going over there, but I want to be over there? Ask yourself that. And if they're going the same place, walk with them. But if you don't want to be where you see them on that trajectory in 10 years from now, then I think it's time to sever that. I'm not saying cut off all contact, but sever the influence of that relationship in your life. You've got to change because you become like the people that you walk with. Proverbs 13.20 says, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. So, which one do you want? Proverbs 12.26 says, the righteous choose their friends, how? Carefully. Carefully. Doesn't mean that you see somebody that's, you know, their life's a mess and all that, that you, oh, sorry, I can't talk to you. I'm not hanging. No, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about those people that, that, we, that we join with, we connect with, we're, they're, they're close relationships, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're hanging out with all the time, the people that we allow to influence our lives. Okay, that's that's the kind of thing that we're talking about. You know, I've been following Jesus for 40 years this coming July, and and I've seen a lot of people come to Christ and begin to follow him. Only after a little while to just drop off. And and then after a little while after that, it's like they just drop off the scene. And then there's little or no evidence of them having any faith in God at all. They may say they do, but their life doesn't back it up. 
The number one reason, I think, is the people they've surrounded themselves with and they've allowed to influence them. And that influence has pulled them away from walking with Jesus. They start walking with Jesus and they're walking with somebody that is not, um, not going the same place they want to go. And then they start walking a little bit more to the side and a little bit more to the side and a little bit more, and pretty soon they're headed total other direction. I'm telling you, I've seen it over and over. No relationship is worth coming between you and God. That's why the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 6, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? Relationships are spiritual. And there is always a transference of something that takes place. God's plan would be that the things from Him by His Spirit would be the things that are transferred into our lives. Third question, we'll wrap up with this. Am I initiating meaningful relationships? So you need healthy relationships with the right people. Everyone needs relationships. Everyone needs those relationships where they can come in and they can be accepted and they can be they can be um, uh, 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 loved for who they are, and they can open up their hearts, share their deepest, darkest secrets, and know they won't be judged and you won't be criticized. Be loved and accepted, but also held accountable and challenged to be who God created you to be. We need someone in our life that will love us enough to tell us, hey, I love you, but you're really blowing it and being an idiot right here. They, we need someone in our life that can, that can tell us that. Not in a critical way, but just to say, don't you see what's going on here? Someone that will tell you the truth no matter how much, even when you don't want to hear it. And then we need to listen to them. Someone we can trust, we can count on, then we need to listen to them. Proverbs 18.24 says, One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. See, after spending three years with his disciples pouring into their lives, Jesus looked at them and said, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. I've called you friends. For everything I learned from my Father, I've made known to you. Some of you need to make some decisions today about relationships. You need to look at your relationships and ask, are they bringing me closer to Christ? Are they walking with me and together we're walking closer to Christ or are they pulling me away? You have to decide who you're going to live for. Your friends or God? Nobody else can make that decision but you. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would take the truth that we talked about this morning and that you would 
place it so on our hearts, Lord. And show us how to walk this out. Lord, we want to live for you. I want to live my life totally for you, Lord. So, Lord, help me, help us to nurture the relationships that are the most important. First off, with you, Lord, with my family and those friends that love you and want to walk the same way that I'm walking. So, Lord, we ask that, 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 that help us to nourish those relationships. Help us to nurture them. And Lord, where there might be a relationship that is pulling us back, maybe we went into it with the best of intentions that we're going to witness to them, we're, gonna, we're going to you know, um, impart life to them through the, through the Holy Spirit, through Jesus Christ, and we're going to love them, but maybe it's pulling us back into things that we don't need to be pulled back into. Pulling us back away from you. Lord, if we need where we need to sever relationships, show us that. And then give us the ability and the grace to sever it. Lovingly, gently, but also decisively. And Lord, show us what meaningful relationships you would have us to initiate, to seek out to search after. Just come, Lord. Show us those things in Jesus' name and help us to walk it out. Amen. Amen. I'd like the worship team to come up, please.